0: Come, living Lord Jesus, speak to our hearts this morning that we may all receive your glorious promises, experience your kingdom of love today, and be prepared for eternity with you. Amen. Amen. Please be seated. Well, this week was dominated by Black Friday. I wonder whether you bagged any uh, bargains. It's been a weekend of self-interest, for those of us, anyway, looking for a good deal. Or retailers who are trying to boost their profits by luring us to overspend. But in contrast, Red Wednesday was also last week. And it was a call to pray for Christians and other minorities who are persecuted globally for their beliefs. Many buildings were illuminated in red around the world to remember those who've been martyred for their faith. Simply for standing selflessly for love and peace and justice in the world those who've remained courageous and faithful through it all, sustained by their faith and prayer and the Spirit of God. Only this morning I heard of Ian from Surrey, a missionary hostage in Nigeria, who ran his own Christian eyesight charity, shot dead just for playing his guitar and singing Amazing Grace. More Christians globally lack religious freedom or are seriously persecuted for their faith today than in any time in human history. That's one in ten Christians, over 200 million believers in over more than 60 countries. And many of us, we may grumble about our faith at times, But we don't know what real persecution is like. St Paul said, we are the body of Christ. Every member is a part of it. We are family. So in solidarity and concern, last Wednesday, we were called to pray for our persecuted sisters and brothers. And of course, it's not just Christians around the world. There are other peace-loving people who are martyred too, just think of Egypt. It breaks our hearts to hear those who were caught up in that awful Sufi Mosque attack during Friday prayers. An is affiliated group tragically murdered 300 people praying to their God. Freedom is precious. None of us should take it for granted nor give in to terrorism or evil in the world, but strive for a just and a peaceful world where all can live life in all its fullness. But what sort of a world do we want for baby Lara, baptised today? And what does God want for her, for all the children here? What does he want for you and me? Our reading today was written by Matthew, a former tax collector who changed his ways. He became one of Jesus' faithful disciples. And he often wrote about the kingdom of heaven about 32 times in his gospel. He preferred the phrase to the kingdom of God, which was often used by other writers, and he used, but to a far lesser extent, probably wanting to, at being a good Jew, not to overuse the name of God, which Jews didn't like to speak aloud. So the two phrases, kingdom of heaven and kingdom of God, were used interchangeably by Matthew, referring to the time when everything is ruled by our maker, when God is rightly enthroned as king and judge of all, when everything is as it should be, not as it is now, How we should all long when we pray that prayer, Thy kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. Matthew wanted us to know about this kingdom, and he explains that the kingdom of heaven is like a wedding feast to which ten unmarried bridesmaids are invited and wish to attend. And the kingdom is often pictured As a banquet. I'm very pleased about that. Earlier in Matthew 22, there was the parable of the wedding feast to which people are invited to share and enjoy. And it's a symbol of God's lavish provision for all who will come. There is something wonderful on offer. And Jesus uses this event of a wedding and a banquet to people in Palestine, something that they could identify with. The first point I want to make is very simple. You are invited to a wedding banquet. I know uh, Lara's uh, family will be partying after this service. I won't tell them where it is, don't worry, otherwise everybody will join in. Uh, Feasting is very important, and it was in first century culture too. Food was to be savoured and enjoyed. It was an opportunity for people to be together, to enjoy generous hospitality. I remember being invited to Sam and Lovejoy's uh, wedding reception after conducting the wedding ceremony. And it was so special to be invited, as all the guests would have felt. It was a wonderful time. Well, Jesus invites you and he invites me to share one day in the glorious feast of his kingdom. Your name is on the invitation. He wants you to be a part of it. Elsewhere, Jesus describes himself as the bridegroom, which helps us to make sense of the story. One day, Jesus will come like a bridegroom, hoping that we'll share in the great wedding feasts that's prepared for all. So the first thing, you are invited to a wedding banquet. The second thing is, are you ready? There was a little girl who'd been taught about the second coming of Jesus. And after church, she went to quiz her mum. Mummy, do you believe that Jesus will come back? Yes. Could he come this week? Yes. Yes. Today? Yep. Could he come in the next hour? Yes, he could. In a few minutes? Yes, dear. Mummy, would you comb my hair? Very sweet, isn't it? (laughs) But are we prepared for the coming of Jesus to us? I'm really realising at the moment just how unprepared I am for Christmas this year. Having four Sundays in Advent is kind of confusing me totally. Life's so hectic, and it always seems to creep up. But like it or not, I have to be ready by the 25th of December, which is just four weeks away. There's a timeline to work towards. Well, Jesus' is coming to us isn't like that. We never know when Jesus could actually turn up in our lives as individuals or as a church. We don't know when we will die and we will meet our maker. Ultimately, the second coming of Christ will also be at a time and an hour that is unknown. But when Jesus does come, will you be full of excuses? Saying, "I'm sorry, I'm not ready." The fact is, he's coming, ready or not. And today's parable isn't a story about a people waiting for uh, a people waiting for a bride as guests and ministers frequently do. I can't remember whether Lovejoy was on time or not. No, you were on time. Fantastic. I once had a bride who was nearly two hours late. That was in Colchester, and it wasn't Francis either. (laughs) The parable is about waiting for the bridegroom. The bride and the bridesmaids, you see, were expecting him to come, to take them to the wedding feast and then to his house. The wedding couple in those days didn't go away for a honeymoon. They stayed at home for a week. They didn't go to Bali or the Bahamas or Brighton. They stayed at home, and they were treated like royalty. Only their chosen friends were invited to these celebrations. And so the story is about those who went and those who didn't go. Not only to a wedding ceremony, but to the lengthy festivities afterwards. But for whatever reason, the groom was delayed. He didn't come when he was expected. Perhaps the stag do overrun, I don't know. Uh, Perhaps there were too many well wishes on that long journey around the village to go and pick up his bride and the bridesmaids. Someone would have been sent ahead to announce, Behold, the bridegroom's coming! But nobody knew exactly when that would be. The bridal party had to be ready for the call, whatever time he chose to arrive, and sometimes that would be at night. No one was allowed onto the streets after dark either, not without a lighted lamp. And once the bridegroom had shut the door, no latecomers were admitted to the ceremony. So this is a story that would have had a real meaning to those in uh, Jesus' time. Were they ready for the coming of Jesus into their lives? And the question for us is, are we ready? How will he find you when he turns up? Is this church ready for the bridegroom? And where he wants to lead us to. Jesus' teaching is often presented with contrasts. Sheep, goats, light, dark, wise, foolish, and so on. And the kingdom of heaven is about making wise choices. The wise man was prepared and built his house upon the rock. The foolish man was unprepared and built his house On the sand. And there is the wise and foolish in this parable too. And the warning is this Jesus says, therefore keep watch because you do not know the day or the hour. You are invited to a wedding banquet, but are you ready? And the third thing is this. Are you resourced? Many say, of course we're ready. We have faith. We're attentive. We're here. We're in church. Well, this story isn't about those who are awake, who are present for Jesus' coming. For all the young girls, notice in the story, had fallen asleep. Happens to the best of us. Is he still awake? Yes, he is. (laughs) What's the point then? Well, it has to do with the lamps. What the girls do and don't do with their lamps. Five lamps are primed and ready to burn into the future. But the other five lamps go out too quickly because they're not resourced with oil. The bridegroom was late arriving, eventually turning up at midnight. All the bridesmaids had dozed off. They had no staying power. Here comes the bridegroom, someone declared. And the girls tried quickly to get ready to trim their lamps. But five women get to the banquet and five don't. The foolish ignored the past. Experience should have taught them that the lamps can run out of oil. They didn't look to the future either. Otherwise, they would have made preparations. They couldn't buy oil at that hour of the night, neither could they borrow it. They were too busy living in the present, unready for the bridegroom's arrival. They missed out on something better that was to come, Better than that present moment. And the door was closed. So, the question to us as we hear this lesson is are we too preoccupied and prone to leaving our spiritual preparations to the last minute? Do you take time to resource your life properly? Do you care about the things that really matter? Both the wise and the foolish girls were waiting eagerly with faith. But it was the extra oil that made the difference. It's interesting, the oil is a symbol for the Holy Spirit. Given to resource and sustain sustain us in our faith. To help us to live the Christian life. The oil in the lamp can also be seen as faithfulness a right relationship with God, and perseverance too. Are we allowing the lamp of faith to burn brightly within us? Many Christians burn out because they lack those inner resources. They don't resource themselves. They don't foster an enduring faith through prayer and Bible study and fellowship and worship and service. And so the lamp burns low and can go out, especially, especially when faced with trouble and hardship and trials. We're all right when things are going okay. God's blessing us. But what about when the difficulties come? I'm inspired by persecuted Christians around the world, made up with a living, people with a living and a vibrant faith. I don't see apathetic Christianity in them, complacent and unprepared. Often in places where the world is the cruelest, we see people who are ready to meet their maker through death or otherwise because somehow God is driving them on to love and to fight for what is right in the world, for peace and justice and righteousness, determined to share in God's mission to transform the world, to make it into a better place. And they can only do this in Jesus's strength and to his glory alone. But you see, you can't borrow somebody else's inner resources. I can't rely on the faith of my spouse. I can't rely on the faith of parents. And that's why Lovejoy and Sam have brought Lara to church today. At the moment, Lara's here by God's grace on their invitation. But she will have to grow up to make up her own mind whether she goes to the wedding feast. And what they do to influence her and help her and guide her will equip her to respond to God's grace and love and mercy. Today is Welcome Sunday. We wear badges so that we can get to know each other. God knows you and he loves you. The question is, do we know him? And do we know the saving name of Jesus? So the warning in today's passage is don't be like the five who were foolish, unprepared, faithless, unresourced and full of regrets and judged as we all will be one day but who miss out on the glorious promises of God's kingdom. Rather be like the wise who learnt lessons from the past, who looked to the future, who were ready and resourced in the present. For they were the ones who entered the wedding feast, the kingdom of heaven. Jesus loves you so much. He gave his life for you as he gave his life for little Lara. He rose again. He conquered sin and death making the special offer of the kingdom of heaven to all of us. Jesus turned the hopelessness of Calvary's Black Friday into the joyous hope and blazing light of Resurrection Sunday. Amen.